your hair analysis can be used in, in different ways, your, like your clinical appraisals for, for that extra information. Absolutely. It's, it's really good. I always find, you know, if I'm stuck with a client, it's like, why am I stuck? There's something else going on here that I can't figure out. Okay, it's time to do the next thing. It's time to take that hair sample and send it off. So I mean, we're sending off hair from the back of the head. Now, it works like this. Hair grows at a rate of about one centimetre a month. We prefer the clean, untreated hair. At the yep. back of the scalp area, the chances are, and I can even see your hair now, Geraldine, I can see about one or two centimetres of fresh growth yeah. underneath. Um, if we cut the hair as close to the skin as possible, take that first couple of centimetres of untreated hair, all our reference ranges are established on scalp hair. That's what gives us the best information. Hello and welcome. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists, and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to your needs, the needs of the practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business, and something clinical each week, you'll get the variety you need and enjoy to stay motivated in practice. Hello, Ian, and welcome to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. And welcome to all of our listeners. So today we've got Ian Tracton from Interclinical Laboratories with us. Now, I use Interclinical Laboratories and I use the HTMA test. So I thought it was really interesting if I got Ian on to talk to us about the company and about how he got into this and started. Because like many of us, our stories um, of how we got into something are really different and really interesting. And Ian has a really interesting story about his. So he's had interclinical since 1996. Is that right? Yes. And um, and it's just growing and growing. And it's um, and you use international companies, you've got international resources, and there's tons to talk about. So it Ian, a lot with Australian resources as well. Let me say that. Excellent. Well, you've got a range of products as well. So the, um, but I really want to talk about the hair testing and let's start by how you got into this business. Thank you very much. Yes, I've been involved in this for a long time now, Geraldine. Um, you know, I go back probably 35 years with um, hair tissue mineral analysis and um, how I fell into this is I actually have a degree that I got a long time ago which was a double major in accounting and financial management, which I probably have never used a day in my life. No. <laughs> and I always say at my age, I say I gave it to my parents. They have it on their wall. But actually, I became a business manager and I got involved with a doctor who had a very busy service and I would help to manage the clinic and manage the practice. And he also had a private pathology service where he had bought an atomic spectrometer. He had bought some other very interesting testing equipment. And um, he would, I would call him one of the Australian pioneers in um, orthomolecular medicine or integrative medicine, uh, Dr. Alan McClay. So I started working with, with Alan many years ago. And, um, and that's how I fell into it. And so managing his practice and, and helping manage clients and, and, and what was going on at the lab. And you learn a lot when you're involved in all aspects of an organisation. And it was probably picking up the telephone 
when we had some staff away from time to time and you pick up the phone and we'd get a mother at the other end of the phone saying, I have to thank your company. You saved my daughter's life or you saved my son or you really helped them. And I'd be a little bit, oh, okay, this is really interesting. By the way, um, thank you for telling us, but, but what did we do? And back in the late 80s, it was an invariably always picking up an elevated level of lead or an elevated level of mercury in the hair tissue sample. And where we'd have a, a young, young man, young man, 12-year-old kid, really all of a sudden very good at school. And then all of a sudden his grades were going down, his concentration wasn't there. Mum and dad doesn't know what's going on. They, yeah. they, go to their regular, they go to their doctors, they're not finding anything. And they came into, into um, our practice and Alan would say, let me run a hair tissue mineral analysis. Mm -hmm. And why would he do that is predominantly to test for nutrient minerals and for heavy metals. Now, I will probably say back in the 80s and probably even the early 90s, we were not very accurate on many of the nutritional minerals we were testing. Mm -hmm the calcium, the magnesium, that the heavy metals, we would get right. We would often get right. Um, the equipment was um, very good for, for that type of um, testing, but for nutrient minerals, you need much more sophisticated uh, analysis equipment. Anyway, so that's how I fell into it. And I thought, oh my God, hair tissue mineral analysis, what a fabulous service. This is ahead of its time. Why isn't more doctors using it? Why isn't more naturopaths using it? And actually, we did have a strong base of what I would call nutrition-orientated doctors today yep. or environmental doctors that yep. would use the hair analysis. But the service had a, a natural growth, particularly with naturopaths and with herbalists and mm. nutritionists as well, because really it gave these practitioners something solid to base recommendations on. Yeah. Now, by about um, 1992, we knew our equipment was already 10 years old and we were doing it in Sydney. Yeah. And we'd been already trying for a number of years to get Medicare to cover part of the cost. Right. And Medicare would, um, we'd had many discussions, we'd written long submissions to them, uh, we put a lot of work into it, to be honest with you, at the time. And um, it came, really, after many years of going down that track, by about 1994, it was like they said to us, look, hair analysis, yes, fantastic screening. Yeah. It's not a diagnostic screening. It's a general health screening. And I'd, I'd say to them, well, hold on a minute. Maybe on some of the elements, you can say it's a general health screening, but when we get that elevated level of cadmium or mercury or arsenic in our charts, that's a diagnostic result. Totally. You, you can act on that. You know, it didn't float into the hair. I mean, you've been in touch with, you've been either touching it, you've been breathing it, you've been ingesting it. Yeah. We know it's creating a whole lot of problems um, we need to treat it. We need to isolate it. We need to mobilize it out of the body. And they really said to us at that time, it doesn't matter who's in power, whether it's a liberal government or a labor government, that Medicare system's got no more money. Right. It's, 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 it, it'll be, it, so it remained as a private pathology service. And to be honest with you, 
By 1994, we needed to reinvest to the tune of well over a million dollars to upgrade our equipment to world-class standards. And at that time, we made the decision if we can't get Medicare to cover part of this service, um, we know, I know that our practitioners take the data that we put forward at face value. Yep. If that data is not accurate, you're better off not having the data in the first place, to be perfectly honest. Totally. And, and, um, and so I really searched very hard around the world and there was only a very small handful of laboratories that did a fairly good job at this. And one laboratory in particular I was very keen to work with. And in the end, it, it took a, a few years to sort everything out. And in 1994, I actually started working with International Trace Elements and that was a game changer because all of a sudden we had the most accurate, precise data being um, on our reports. It wasn't just on the heavy metals anymore. Our sophistication on nutrient minerals moved to another level. And um, I think that was the beginning of taking HTMA, yep. nutrient and toxic element testing, in in clinic for practitioners to a new level. And we could see not just the, the heavy metals anymore, but we were starting to get great information on calcium balances, magnesium balances, zinc, iron. The last place you're going to find a deficiency of any of those elements is in the blood. When you get a low level of calcium in the blood or iron in the blood, this problem has been going on for a long time yeah. or there's a metabolic problem going on. And, um, and so why, and why is that the case? Homeostasis of blood. The blood will aggressively take calcium ions out of our bone reservoir to service the biological function of calcium in the body. So we've got the blood aggressively taking these calcium ions. And what, who's going to suffer? suffer? Our bones, our connective tissues. That's actually what's happening. And, and so that's why you don't do a blood test to really test your, your calcium levels. You do a bone density test to yeah. get and in but by that stage, we've already got a, a, a problem that's already developed. And mm -hmm. I, I think I remember seeing many years ago that they one of the, the studies that we, we looked at that they deprived, this is I think a NASA study, but they deprived these lovely horses of any form of calcium. And apparently there was 70% bone degeneration before there was any notable changes in blood serum calcium levels. So looking at the body tissue is, a, is tells us more information. We wanna see how those minerals that are in the blood that have made the way across the intestinal wall, through your gut, into the blood, how they are getting transposed into the tissues. And that's, and we're looking at the minerals on an intracellular level that gives us different information from blood. Sometimes the, um, the HCMA results marry up with your blood tests, other times it doesn't. And then we can go into the explanations and looking at why it hasn't gone. And that's already giving you good clinical information to start acting upon. Yeah. So when we're sending, because I mean, um, I use it, I don't use it for every client, totally honest. I use it maybe one in eight or one in nine. So, you know, it's not, and 
sometimes I notice I'm using it more and then I don't use it for ages <laughs> and then I'll use it again for three or four. It's always for me, it's always been an up and down usage. But when we're doing it and we're sending off, we send the hair to you and then you're sending it to the state. So it does take a little while for the results to get back to us, but that's fine because there's always something. We're to do. talking about 10 working days. Yeah. I mean, you can really, it's in between consultations. Um, you book your, yeah. your consult in, you prepare, you might be doing other pathologies as well. I mean, it's interesting what you say there, Geraldine, and, and that's, that's right. I mean, we have two types of practitioners who will use the service. I have a lot of um, you, uh, practitioners that won't invoke any, if you like, heavy duty course of nutritional therapy until they get all their information back. Because sometimes what you think you want to do with your patient and where your patient's at can be two different things. Yeah. But then we get our other practitioners who common, common scenarios, you don't really have a need for it. You will work with your patients, but if after two or three months you're not getting uh, a good clinical outcome, your hair, hair tissue mineral analysis becomes an excellent fallback position to get new clinical information on board that you would not have seen through a physical appraisal or looking at white spots on the nails that can sometimes be reflective of a copper imbalance as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, white spots aren't always. And so your hair analysis can be used in, in different ways, your, like your clinical appraisals for, for that extra information. Absolutely. It's, it's really good. I always find, you know, if I'm stuck with a client, it's like, why am I stuck? There's something else going on here that I can't figure out. Okay. It's time to do the next thing. It's time to take that hair sample and send it off. So I mean, we're sending off hair from the back of the head and my hair obviously naturally grows pink like this. Naturally. And naturally. It's naturally pink. So, um, with hair dyes and things like that, do they struggle with those through the machines? Look, it's, um, well, again, um, if the hair has been affected by a hair dye, it, we do a 36, 37 element report, generally speaking. And, and so the hair dye may affect one, two, it really affects more than three elements. If we know the hair dye, and I'm not sure what pink actually does, I don't know what mineral affects pink, but, but usually red yep. will elevate, artificially elevate copper. Bleach and perms can artificially elevate calcium and magnesium. Blackening agents, darkening agents elevate can elevate lead. And blues are cobalt. So I have to check maybe it's good to look into the product ingredients to see what it might be doing. Now, it works like this. Hair grows at a rate of about one centimetre a month. We prefer the clean, untreated hair. At the yep. back of the scalp area, the chances are, and I can even see your hair now, Geraldine, I can see about one or two centimetres of fresh growth yep. underneath. Um, if we cut the hair as close to the skin as possible, take that first couple of centimetres of untreated hair, all our reference ranges are established on scalp hair. That's what gives us the best um, information. We don't want hair that's longer than about four centimetres. We yep. want to get the more recent metabolic activity. So yep. if the hair is only half a centimetre long, you're going to get a result of what's been going on with that patient for the last two weeks. If we get hair that's two centimetres long, we're averaging the data over two months. If you get hair that's at four centimetres long, we'll get the data averaged over approximately four months. Hair is a historical report. Unlike blood that gives you a snapshot of what's what you've had for breakfast, 
yeah. or urine, what the body is eliminating at this moment in time. But hair gives us more like a rolling movie picture over time and it averages that data. So it doesn't have the, the, the highs and lows of morning, lunch, afternoon. We're getting a nice consistency. So when we get that elevated level of the heavy metal, this is, this is something that's seen over a period of time or we get a low zinc or a high zinc Again, we're getting a picture of something that's not a snapshot. This is a this is a problem that's going on over the month, over the over that period, and you know that's something that we can act upon and treat on it. Now, we we treat on a nutritional level. Yep. Okay, um, I'm always going to say Interclinical is a conservative nutritional medicine company. Many of my clients, our naturopaths, our doctors. They hear me say this all the time. We, we work on established nutritional principles. Uh, we, we treat by rebuilding the biochemical balances. Um, sometimes things are too high. The body sometimes has a, a, is pushing something out. Chromium is a very good example where elevated chromium sometimes is a requirement for additional chromium to help in blood sugar regulation. Mm. Um, but elevated copper is usually too much copper and too much copper will bring down and you know, that can be often a cause you know in um with pyrroles and 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 kids on the spectrum is usually very often low zinc high copper i mean the hair analysis gives you insights into your patient that you you just don't get with other pathologies no it is totally different and it's really handy because when you get the reports as well, because you've got a choice of reports as well, haven't you? So you can get the bigger report. And so you can get a lot more information if you want to. I always get the number two report, I think it is. I think it's three, aren't there? So yeah, um, look, this, yeah I, I appreciate I that. Two. It actually saves us a lot of time in the laboratory because there's things in the profile two and profile three report that gives a very comprehensive client medical discussion. There's key insights into maybe what, minerals and vitamins and nutrients we where we feel might be appropriate and it saves us a lot of time here because those answers are actually in and the doctor's report is specifically written for the doctor's report we actually don't give the supplement recommendations to the patient uh, they might need some minor modifications based upon medications other things going on and sometimes i mean even today we had a uh, a case where uh, anemic patient they've been anemic all their life we've recommended copper at this stage because the the zinc was high the copper was low unusual type of uh, chart where 85 percent is the other way around but you got to be mindful that sometimes Copper's the problem, and copper's required in hemoglobin production and for other reasons as well. So sometimes we use copper to help to build iron, but in this particular case, after speaking with the, the practitioner, we also felt that our iron supplement would be very appropriate as well. Yeah, yeah it's great that we've got this whole, um, it's a whole dynamic because we're getting the whole body and we're getting a longer term view. So by the time we've seen our clients for, you know, been seeing them a few months and you're like, what is going on here? It's a great time to start getting that hair if you haven't already got it, because then you're going to see what's happened over the last month. And you've uh, been thing for a month. Geraldine, uh, absolutely correct. I mean, this is the one of the big things when you work with um, this for a long time, you realize that baseline result 
is really important. But where you start getting real insights with your patients is when you start doing that first follow-up, which might be, we always say it's always good to do a first follow-up and prepare your patients for a follow-up test about three to six months later, because you can't keep your patient on 75 mg's of zinc without retesting, because eventually we're going to overcompensate. And we, yes, we've started driving that copper down or, or moving the heavy metal out, but eventually we will tilt them the other way. So without risk, you might need, and this is where adjusting the dosage comes into play. And we've got patients through practitioners that are over years, and you can actually see they've moved house and all of a sudden something's changed. They're drinking water. They might be getting tank water. There might be something else going on. There are new stressors in their body, new changes of jobs, lifestyle. And you can actually plot your patient and you actually get a fingerprint of what's where that patient. And you'll actually start seeing elements that this person continuously has trouble uptaking and we need to concentrate on those things. So the follow-ups are really important. And, and just like you'd go and have a blood test once a year or once every second year, or you'll go to the dentist to check your teeth to see that things aren't rotting away. HCMA is an excellent tool for ongoing preventative care and ongoing monitoring of where what's going on with your patient. Yeah, because it's and it's not expensive. So, you know, <laughs> they um, don't go and put the price up because I said that. Um, the <laughs> The, but realistically, when we look at the amount test cost, it's actually one of the affordable tests. It's got to be the most affordable test you could recommend to your patient. Yeah. And not only the most affordable test, it gives so much information. Yeah. It's giving us that information on what are the key nutrients we need to home in on, what are the, you know, we work with homeopathic practitioners as well. And, you know, combining a little bit of nutritional medicine with your homeopathy, if you know you're targeting mercury, you can do your homeopathic medicine accordingly rather than doing a general anti-heavy metal homeopathic. Home in on specifics. Home in on we need to, you know, but again, if you have an obstacle to cure, if you don't have the fuel, if you don't have the nutrient, it makes it very difficult. If you don't have that zinc or you don't have that magnesium or you don't have sometimes it's molybdenum. I mean, we see all sorts of things today. And uh, we must have been probably the first company in Australia to bring in elemental molybdenum, elemental manganese. We would have been one of the first working with elemental chromium. I'm sure we were the first with elemental copper. Compounds we work with, highly bioavailable. Uh, we often can even reduce the dosages um, with the compounds we use today. And you got to remember what we give you in nutraceutical is much larger dosages than what you get from a good food diet. People say, oh, I don't, I don't need nutrients. I eat a good diet. Well, that might've been true 5,000 years ago, but we didn't have the pollution. Yeah. We didn't have medicines. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have the stressors, both psychological and physiological. We live in a very different world, and um, and I think nutritional medicine and and the right sort of testing has its place. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, we don't even make the enzymes that we made when we were younger. As you get older, you make fewer and fewer enzymes. You're, you know, hydrochloric acid wasn't as good as what it was. So even a great diet, if it's not digested properly, 
you're still going to need some nutraceuticals. The point being, though, that you don't need them forever. We need to replete, like you said about the zinc. You don't want to keep on and on and on having it without looking and going, how much more do I need? Can I reduce this and have it, you know, every other day or something because I still need my zinc? I'm someone who uses a lot of zinc, but do I need it every single day? Yeah. yeah. And that's what we can work out by doing some of these tests, some of these really simple hair tests. And, of course, yeah. we've got no worries about anyone being scared of needles because it's hair. Well, it's it's not intrusive. I mean, some ladies will say, I don't care what you jab into me, don't touch my hair. But look, we don't need a lot of hair today. It's 0 0.15, 0 0.2 of a gram. It's a, a small clump of hair. Um, yep. Usually take a thin line. If you got if the hair's very long, just yep. pull the hair up, take out a thin line, it could be a couple of millimetres across by a couple of inches long, but the hair will just fall back over for a long for a lady with long hair. With short hair, you can just with a guy or anyone with short hair, just use thinning scissors and and, and collect it with a clean uh, paper, piece of paper behind and always put the hair in an envelope. Don't put it in a plastic bag. Um, we don't want the hair sweating. We don't want it creating bacteria in the hair. If we put it in a lovely envelope, it actually dries out and, and that data is locked within the keratin literally hundreds of years. They've analysed, um, what was it, Napoleon's hair. They, they, we, they broke open his tomb and he was so well-preserved, arsenic. His arsenic level was through the roof. Arsenic been. used to be a medicine. Yeah, and it was makeup. It was in makeup and everything else. So they used arsenic a lot. Arsenic was used a lot. They used a lot of heavy metals for medicine. Yeah. Um, what did they use? Um, mercury for skin whitening. Yeah, yeah, they used oh, it. Oh, it's scary. It was very, um, very, very scary what they used to use. So, um, but yeah, Napoleon, lovely bloke. Um, anyway, they <laughs> um, look. There, there's. It's funny. There's different hair tests out there. Um, they're very different. Uh, we actually take the physical sample of hair. Yep. It goes into a test tube. We actually digest the hair physically. So now we're, it's all, all the minerals are now in a liquid state and we analyze in parts per million. It's not a general indicative analysis that a lot, uh, that a lot of the tests are that, yes, we can see some mercury there or we can see something else there. But we, we're actually telling you precise measurements which is a very different test from um, many of these. There's bioresonance testing. There's, um, there's photospectrometry where they take a photo of it. It's not the same thing. Ours is a physical quantitative test. It's used around the world today. There are literally thousands and thousands of evidence-based studies. Um, if you do it well, but this is the thing, it's it's not, you, you can have an atomic spectrometer, but that doesn't actually mean you'll do a very precise job either. There's a lot, there's a lot of interferences that come into it. And like I said, for, for us here and for me personally, um, it's most important that we give you the most accurate data. It's what I said right at the beginning of this little chat here today. Yeah. Our practitioners will take the data that we put forward at face value. And, and I can assure you, if you send us the same hair three times with three different names on it, yeah. I don't care whether it's three months apart or three years apart, you will get the same picture. You will get the same pattern. You will get the same results. And I honestly have to say, 
it's not the same for many of the other HCMA laboratories that we've tested over the years. Right. So um, thank you very much. Yeah, it's been, it, it's absolutely fascinating. Hair mineral analysis is really fascinating. And so I just wanted to go over, just before we finish, you said the hair is put into a vial. And so what? So how do they actually do it? So they they put it into a... All right. Okay, good question. How does so it actually... The, the hair is placed into a, a test tube. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exact same amount of hair is te- put into each and every test tube, Mm -hmm. then a certain acid digestion. uh, It's usually a mixture of um, some hydrochloric acid, some sulfuric acid, maybe some nitric acid. Different laboratories have its own proprietary acid mix. Um, Exactly the same amount of acid is added to each intestine. Then we put a lid it's called closed vessel digestion since back in the old days we used to put our hair into the into the um into the into the test tubes we used to add our acid we used to put it under the bunsen burner to heat the test tube and that would dissolve it and we got all this stuff emitting into the atmosphere so we used to have a nice ventilation so we didn't breathe the fumes but and then it would go into the atomic spectrometer and today, everything's on a railroad track. In other words, every, every sample is heated at exactly the same temperature for exactly the same amount of time. It's called a, a rotary um, carousel in a, in a microwave digestion system. Then the hair sample has been prepared. So now I've got the liquid hair in the mm-hmm. test tube, and now that's ready to go into the atomic spectrometer. That is an ICP mass spectrometer, which is actually the gold standard. If you want to analyze minerals in blood or mm-hmm. minerals in urine or minerals in any biological sample, yep. you use ICP mass spectrometer because you can get down to the lower detection limits. Yep. Um, and then that, and, and, and what happens, you got to, uh, the equipment will suck the sample up and mm-hmm. spray it into the machine. What does that mean? Inside the machine, it's a big box of a machine, there's a little flame. And this flame, the the, um, sample is sprayed into the flame and the machine is geared up to analyse the light spectrum. And every mineral has a slightly different light spectrum. So, again, copper will show a bit more green, cobalt will show a bit more blue, calcium tends to be more white, and it will measure these these spectrums and these measurements and it will automatically record them now we do today a similar the reason why we can do it for such a good value price is because they do what they call simultaneous readings we can actually measure more than several elements in a in a single screening but what we find is that there's certain elements we don't test for because it can upset the accuracy of other elements. Like, for example, we pulled gold and silver out of our reports because they can affect the reliability of our nutrient elements up to tenfold. So we know if we have that problem, other labs, but other labs will still report on silver, but you'd have, that's why we, 
uh, boron. Boron needs to go through the, the atomic spectrometer by itself. So does antimony. So does silica. Um, so does iodine. So these elements that can be quite costly to actually give you. Our results are what we call, we provide a fully validated result on all the elements we test for. They're not semi-quantified data. Again, semi-quantified data is indicative at best. That's not what we do. If we can't give you a result that is fully validated, we either won't report on it or we'll have to charge you a lot more money to, to run it through the equipment to get you a, a fully validated report. Wow. That's really interesting. It's really interesting the way it comes, you know, we snip that bit of hair, send it to you, you send it over to them, You put they put it in the vial, they've... Um, it digests. That sounds a bit disgusting. They send it through a flame and then we're able to get, and that's obviously why. And there's a lot of other things that go on besides that. A lot of that. other things. Uh, I'm a, the, yeah. the QA, the QC controls mm. are, are, are first class. Yeah. Um, you know, what we call is NATA accreditation. Uh, we're working with a fully licensed clinical facility. Um, that's the sort of um, validations that go into place. Uh, there's a lot of proprietary knowledge that comes into being able to produce a first-class result that um, takes it to another level. And I think that's why TEI are probably the world leaders in this type of testing. Yeah, it sounds amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And it is something, well, that's why we know each other, because it is a test that I use. So um, that's it's brilliant. I've learned so much. Hopefully, everybody else who's listening today to the Bite Size podcast has learned tons as well. And um, so you do need to be um, an association accredited professional to um, join up and That's have right. your clients tested. So you don't do community. It has to be done through a, a practitioner. So a random can't wander in and get their hair done. Well, they can, but it'll cost them a lot more. There's actually, we only provide... Uh, we have special practitioner rates, obviously. Yep. Uh, but again, when a private individual has access to service, which has actually cost them more than what it would have cost them to go through the practitioner, we actually refer them back to practitioners. They say, can you interpret this data? We won't actually interpret the data for them. We're the messenger. Yep. We will actually, we, we do the data. Uh, we'll probably give the name of three or four practitioners on our database in their location and yep. we will refer them off to some practitioners that we know are familiar with this work, can interpret the data. Um, you know, it's a proper consultation to um, interpret HCMA data and to take that data in context with the patient and other things going on. Uh, no, we're a service provider for the practitioner and yep. uh, essentially we're there to, um, to support you guys um, in, your, in your practice and um, to make it work. If you can get a better clinical outcome faster, um, yeah. I think that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's fantastic. So if you've enjoyed the Bite Side Podcast, bite-sized podcast, then please make sure you review us on um, you, wherever you are, whatever you're listening from. If you're listening from Spotify or iTunes or wherever you are, please give us a lovely review because thank you very much, Ian. From uh, Thank you, Geraldine. I uh, really appreciate our little chat today. And um, look at everything we do here to, in, interclinical for us, it has to be the gold standard. Uh, whether it's our nutraceuticals or wherever, wherever it's our testing, uh, there's a lot of things that that, um, we don't, you know, we don't do everything your naturopathic practitioner requires, but your bread and butter things, your major vitamins, your major minerals. I mean, if our, if our minerals don't make a difference and we're testing for it, 
That's a problem. So we have to make sure that we keep our practitioners on solid ground. Well, thank you very much, Ian. And thank you all very much for joining us on the Bite Size Podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes. If you'd like even more support and learning, then the Academy is for you. Here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions, more clinical learning and case studies to support your clients in practice. Bye for now.